Welcome to True Grit and Grace, a podcast designed to empower you to claim your resilience and thrive through life's challenges. I am Amberly Lago, a mindset coach, fitness expert, and best-selling author. Each week, I'll dive deep with the world's brightest thought leaders and elite performers to share tangible tools and practical advice to inspire you to keep your eyes on the prize and forge ahead. So get ready to conquer your fears, heal any trauma, lead with your heart, and elevate your life with grit and grace. Hey, and thank you for being here. How are you doing? We're in the middle of this crazy coronavirus pandemic. And I have to say, it was such a breath of fresh air to get to sit with my next guest. I think you're going to find it very informative as well as entertaining because I certainly was entertained. I interview Aaron Alexander. He's in the middle of sunbathing, but took time to share his pearls of wisdom with us. And so we talk about everything from toilet paper to sunbathing to shifting your perspective, finding peace, and finding your purpose. And we also talk about his amazing book, which is a bestseller, The Align Method. He has an Align podcast, and when he's not busy doing his podcast or writing or speaking, because he's a busy, busy guy. You can find him on the beach, Muscle Beach. You can find him in Santa Monica doing crazy acrobatic tricks that I actually want to try with him. He is a pioneering manual therapist and movement coach with over 16 years of professional experience whose clients range from A-list Hollywood celebrities to professional athletes and everyone in between. So hang on and get ready to be entertained and informed by this beautiful soul, Erin Alexander. Hello, and welcome back to the show. I have Erin Alexander here. How are you? I'm doing so well. I'm actually nude sunbathing right now during this conversation. I, <laughs> I didn't tell you. <laughs> okay, I can't see that. I can see like a <laughs> light over see. your head. You see a light, you see a light. Right? I see a light, but I see I a light. Yeah, we didn't mention before, but yeah, I am actually in the buff, sun in my cheeks right now. So I'm very grateful for this moment. Yeah, well, you. you know what? You make the most out of every moment. You really live the lifestyle of what you talk about in your book and in what you do. You make every moment, even recording a podcast, something to do for your body and to feel better. And yeah. I think we could all use some tips on just how to feel better and do better. I want to get into a little bit about who you are and how you got to live this lifestyle. And I have to say, I love your book. In fact, I actually cried. I got a little teary eyed in parts of your books because it really hit home some of the things that you said, but your childhood was a little rough at some times. Can you tell me what you went through that kind of inspired you to be who you are today? Hmm. Well, I am tentative to overly attach to any one particular like story of what led to what, but what you're referring to that it was kind of an interesting time in my human experience here was my dad got deeply engaged with crack cocaine and he was like at the absolute end of his life and about as dark as a person could go without just like leaving this world. And he ended up going to prison and this whole thing. And that happened around when I was like 17 or so. And then mm -hmm. that was, you know, he was getting involved in that stuff before that. He was like actually a pretty cool dad. And now he's actually doing quite well. He's like getting married and he's in love and all wow. this stuff. Yeah, it's really, really exciting. But that was a really interesting time to get to witness the impact that that had on my body and also emotions. I kind of went through a time frame of like, you could call it like anhedonia you know, where I just felt like numb to the world, mm -hmm. which was, you know, at the time of, it's just kind of like, okay, this is the way that I feel. And now in retrospect, it actually makes a lot of sense that I would begin to numb. And it's kind of like antibiotics, you know, mm -hmm. they don't have a way of knowing what they're killing, they kind of just kill it all off with your emotions or with my emotions in that place. It's like, okay, I want to repress this specific sensation. 
but then in doing that, it pulls the whole system down into just global sure. repression. It does. Yeah. yeah which, so that was very interesting. And then that kind of transferred over into me packing a lot of you know biological support in the form of like bodybuilding and putting as much muscle in my body as humanly possible in as short a time as possible. And that led to a bunch of imbalances. And then it's been like this probably at least professionally 16 year journey of kind of putting the pieces back together. But I would say looking at it from more of like an introspective, more like meaningful approach, it's been more like the last like 13 years or so of starting to really think about how do I put these pieces back together and more seek balance as opposed to just seeking cushioning in the form of uh, superficial shows of physical prowess, essentially. Yeah. And I love that you share that it has taken years to put the pieces together and figure out how to make everything a little more balanced. And because sometimes, you know, people think like with me, it took me years after my motorcycle accident where I wasn't out on social media posting stuff. I was like in my little cave repairing and emotionally, you know, in every aspect, physically. And it took a long time of really healing before I could be out there in the world trying to teach what I learned through the process. Mm -hmm. And so I like that you share that it took years. This has been years in a process. It didn't take years. Nothing completed. Like I'm still, as anyone is, still completely in process. Mm -hmm. You know, and so that's like, I would say my puzzle's not put together. <laughs> yeah, I don't think mine is ever. I think that the key to life is to keep learning and growing. And, you know, I love learning and growing. That's one of the reasons I really loved reading your book, too, because mm. I love so many of things about what you say about moving the way you want to feel. Mm -hmm. So yeah. there's a lot of days, most days, I wake up and you should have seen me this morning because I went on like a seven mile hike yesterday. And I woke up, I swear I was walking like a 90 year old cowboy that had yeah. been ridden hard and put up wet. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I got to walk like I want to feel like I was thinking of your book. Okay, I got to walk That's and great. move like I want. So I was like, okay, even though it really hurts to take every step, stand up tall, pull my shoulders back and just move. And what are some of the ways that you can do like a process of walking or moving like you want to feel what do you do like if you wake up yeah. are you ever in pain i've gone through times with more of that presently i'm actually in a pretty good way but the big thing is looking at your lifestyle as just this whole aggregation of opportunities you know and so let me take this thing down actually i have a wind chime in the background is that wind chime bothering you oh, i kind of like it Oh, you like it? Yeah. Okay, should we take a... <laughs> I wish listeners could take a vote right now. Are people pro wind chime? <laughs> At any time, you let me know. If you okay. want me to take that wind chime down, I can make that happen. It's kind of um, relaxing. Well, so the wind chime is an interesting example of how you can start to incorporate subtle variables in your life that they add up and actually begin to have really massive impact. You know, so having like soothing sounds mm -hmm. in your environment, just because we're talking about wind chime, you know, or having a water burbler or thrown a pond in your backyard or whatever it may be, that will cause your nervous system to start to downregulate into more of a rest, digestive, healing mm -hmm. type state. If your nervous system is all spooled up, wound up tight, then your muscles, your neuromuscular system will end up getting all spooled up and wound up tight as well. And now all of a sudden I have this tight neck and tight throat and mm -hmm. tight jaw and tight back and all these different parts. And it's like, well, have you observed just, this is just one environment, your soundscape, you know, what's your home sound like? Are you maybe surrounded by traffic and horns and all that stuff, you know? And then from there you could say, okay, what is Right when you got a little higher when you said that, by the way. Yeah, right. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> if it gets windier, we'll have to take these things down, but we'll, we'll keep it going till it. You know, so that would be one variable that one could isolate. Okay, what does the soundscape of my world look like? And how does that affect my autonomic nervous system? You know, so another perspective that one could look at would be as far as like mobility throughout the day is what is the shape of my house? What is the shape of my office? What is the shape of my travel situation? 
And so during those time frames, your body is always in a place of building, of construction. You know, you continually have the scaffolding is continually bracing up around your body. And you have these builder cells called fibroblasts. And then you have the breaker down cells called fibroclasts and osteoblasts and osteoclasts. And, you know, these cells are continually constructing your human experience, constructing your postural patterns. And so throughout the day, if you put yourself in positions, just sitting in chairs a lot and kind of having that forward head posture thing, having the rolled forward shoulders and contract hands and the carpal tunnels and all that stuff, and that's the shape of your world, you know, you have really no choice other than to succumb to that shape. You know, so in cellular biology, there's a guy called Bruce Lipton that's really fascinating, he wrote a book called Biology of Belief. And I think I got this from there. Essentially, if you have a cell in a Petri dish, you don't look and you want to change the cell. You don't look at what's happening in the cell itself. You look at what's happening in the environment and how the environment actually directly kind of controls the actions of that cell. Mm -hmm. and so you are this cell inside of your environment, being your home, being your relationships, being your business, being mm -hmm. your country, your culture. All of that, it goes yep. and forms your thoughts, forms your perspectives, forms the way that you produce your hormones. It forms your whole thing, you know. And so, one approach, there's also inside out approach, you know, that you could say, okay, well, I can control my inside and kind of affect the outside. I think that's true too. But I think you just you hit it from both ends. So, and I'll wrap this up soon. Look at your home environment, you know, look at the, the Petri dish surrounding the cell and say, okay, cool. When I walk into my house, I have, you know, a couch and then I have a table in front of that that I put whatever books and the remote control and a trophy or something, you know, and then I have the dinner table and then I have chairs around that. And then I don't really have much space for anything else in here. I have all these tables and couches and chairs. And then I've got the TV screen on the wall and okay, what can I do in this home? Well, I can pretty much sit in that same position that I've been in since I was put in a stroller and then a child seat and then kindergarten on into adult life. It's like, okay, you bend your hips at this angle, bend your knees at that angle, kind of hunch forward a little bit and start staring into the screen. So for us to elect that to be the shape of our home and that to be the shape of our office, especially if you have the choice is in my illusion completely like insane you know like when you come home mm -hmm. it's like that's an opportunity for you to starfish out and for you to be cool i have spaciousness in the living room and i have maybe floor cushions mm -hmm. i have maybe like a comfy rug that's like inviting it makes you want to take your hips and your ankles and your knees and your spine and your lymphatic fluid and everything through that full range of motion and get all the way down to the ground and all the way back up you know yes. and now while i'm down there it's like oh my partner's making dinner you know, I'm down here on the ground. It's like, let's eat on the ground. That'd be crazy. That'd be wild. You're like, mm -hmm. now all of a sudden we're eating on the ground and we're like touching each other's knees as we're doing this. We're kind of leaning up against each other. And now I'm in this position. And then afterwards, like we decide to play on the ground, you know, and then we're like rolling on the ground. You're like, we're massaging our bodies. We're having this human contact. So many variables just get stacked up in that just because you change the shape of what's inside of that Petri dish. Mm -hmm. I you know, love that. Yeah. And, you know, like our living room, we have furniture that's low to the ground. Right. And then I have rollers, all kind, like three different rollers <laughs> in cool. the living room. So we're rolling. Last night I was rolling my laps, rolling my back, you know, rolling my glutes, whatever I could just to be on the ground. And then right outside, of course, now, because all the gyms are closed, yeah. We have a gym, which is not equipment. It's a rope and kettlebell and mat, like stuff like that, that we can do in the garage. But it does. And so much of your environment really has an impact on you and the community and the people that you surround yourself with. That's why I'm always like, get rid of the doggy downers in your life and stick with yeah. the puppy uppers. And, and they are just the way that the, you know, having some chimes in your world or having some water in your world. The way that those sounds, they tune your nervous system. And you can think of it just like any baby, but you know, babies are really good with this. They're very honest. You know, so if a voice comes into the room that the baby no likey, they, ah, like a yeah. nervous system can't handle it, bro. Like you got to talk to me like goo goo gaga, like have yeah. like that's how I'll respond, you know? And so adults are the same way. You know, there's the Albert Morabian's a UCLA professor that I've referenced in the book. 
And he came up with a thing called the 55387 principle that you probably remember. And that 55% of our communication comes from body language. And then 38 is tonality. And then 7% is the words that we're speaking. That's if there's incongruence between my tone, the way that my body moves, and mm -hmm. what I actually say to you. With 93% efficiency, you will trust the tone and the way that I speak to you as opposed to the actual words that I'm saying. So when you are hanging out with your friends, your friend group, your community, your tribe, pay attention to what's the tone of this room. You know, what's mm -hmm. the body language of this room? Because you don't have much of a choice. Maybe you do have a choice, actually. But unless you're really paying attention, your body will naturally be attuning and matching the shapes and the sounds of your environment, of the exactly. people around you. So you can well, be- kids start to talk like their parents do in totally. the same tone that their parents do. Yeah. But yeah. I think that when you grow up in an environment where you've had trauma, experienced trauma, and you have to really be aware of body language and tone for your own safety, I think that you grow up with a more awareness to other people's body language. You know, it's kind of like being cop. You know, my husband's a cop and we can walk into a room and he's already like scoped out the whole room and he can be like, that guy's dirty. Nope, that guy's got a gun. Like he scopes out the whole room or he will tell me something about, he was like, I call him my BS detector because he will always check people out. I'm like, how do you know? He's like, it's what kept me alive. I know. But I think we do. We are affected by people's tone. And I had a discussion with my daughter. And at school, she started getting sent to the principal's office. And I was like, what is going on? And she was hanging around with some kids that were doing all kinds of things, getting in trouble. And she was in tears. And she goes, but mama, I didn't do it. And I said, but you were hanging around the kids that did it. So you're guilty by association. And before long, you will be doing that. So I think yep. it's really important to look at who we're surrounding ourselves with. And if, you know, are they sparking joy in us or are they like reinforcing bad behaviors or making it seem like our bad behaviors are okay? Yeah. And then you also have to be cognizant of just being aware that your filter may be set to see the whole world as being a threat. That's you know PTSD where you see someone closes a computer on top of my cold plunge right now. Someone closes the, the lid on the cold plunge. Oh my God, you perceive that as something like 20x more than what it is. You know, so I think it's a very valuable thing as well to just continually be in question of yourself, you know, and okay, cool. I have this sense. I have this experience, you know, trust your gut for sure. And continually come back and see like, okay, is this some old patterning that's actually not serving me in this situation? Is everything actually quite fine? And now I'm creating a situation where there never really was a situation, but now there is because I've created a situation. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so I think there is value in one, just checking yourself and two, also actually practicing seeing the light and the positivity in situations because in every moment, like there's two sides of the coin, you know, and like this interesting moment that we're going through in the world with the whole, you know, pandemic stuff, you know, it's like, okay, what are the positives that can come out of these moments? You know, and I think if you are practiced to see the world as opportunities, then that's just the way that you perceive it. No matter what, you can't change the thing. The thing is the thing. This is it. Mm -hmm. You know, you can go from the inside and augment your perspective, which gets into like Viktor Frankl and logotherapy. And he's heard Man's Search for Meaning. Are you familiar with this one? Man's Search for no, Meaning? No, no, I'm not. But I'm all about shifting your perspective on things. Yeah, so Man's Search that's for like Meaning. That's like how, that's a lot, but I don't know. Maybe Check it out, you'll love it. What it's, is it again? It's called Man's Search for Meaning, Viktor oh, Frankl. He okay. was a survivor of- Oh, from the Holocaust? Holocaust, yeah, exactly. Yes. So, yeah, and so he was a psychologist, I think would be the term for him. And his approach, he referred to as logotherapy. And so a lot of the stuff of like knowing your why you can survive anyhow, that's all Viktor Frankl stuff. Oh. You know? So coming to that place of like, what is your why? You know, coming from that place, it's like, yeah, you can kind of get through most anything if you stay in that lane and you actually have that question at hand, you know. And so his big thing, though, was he would call himself more of, he said, I'm more of an optometrist than a psychologist. You know, so all I'm doing is just adjusting the way that people see. 
know, so when you walk into a room, there is the environment itself, like you were referring to before, but then there's the other side of the rope, which is how do you paint the environment from the inside out? You know, so I'm not 100% one way or the other. I think it's just two sides of the coin in most situations. And so the way that the Petri dish, the environment of the cell affects the cell, I think there is that. That's huge. But I think that the cell does have some degree of control of what they create in the environment based off of the lens that they perceive it through. And so it's I think so that's, true. I mean, yeah. when I was in the hospital and I woke up from a coma and they said, well, we got to amputate your leg. It's like a war wound. You only have a 1% chance of saving it. That 1% chance was my glimmer of hope. And so mm -hmm. I chose to focus on the 1% chance as, okay, well, there's a 1% chance. I'm going to do everything I can for the next months to get through surgery after surgery to save my leg. And they saved it. Right. But if I would have focused on the 99% chance of not being able to save it, then I would have lost hope. I would have had a negative mindset. Who knows if I would have saved my leg? I think so much of it is how we perceive it and just our mindset. Yeah. And then maybe if you did lose the leg, maybe that would lead to all sorts of amazing things. We'd be having this conversation and you'd be so eternally grateful for the fact that the leg went away because that led to this and that and the other. You know, it's mm -hmm. like that story. I'm not going to tell the whole story because I'll just mess it up anyway but the story of the farmer with their son and the son falls off a horse. And then, do you know this story? No. The son falls off the horse and the neighbor comes over. is like, oh my God, what terrible luck that your son fell off the horse. I'm totally messing this up. This is just the gist of the story. Terrible luck, your son fell off of the horse. And they're like, well, we'll see. You know, and then all of a sudden a war breaks out and there's the draft and they're like, oh, well, because your son broke his leg, you can't be drafted. And then the neighbor comes over and is like, oh my God, like what great luck that your son fell off of the horse. And, the, oh. and, then, and the father says, oh, well, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. And it just kind of goes on in that for a while. You get the point. It's like, yeah. no matter what the situation is in the end, it's like, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. You yes, know? I love that. We'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Because you know what? I don't think I would be probably sitting here having a conversation with you sunbathing right now. I'm sure now I'm inspired. Like I'm kind of chilly in here. Get your cheeks get, out, girl. It's I'm going to get outside. You got to get them out. Yeah, open up outside. the solar panels. It's time. The world's ready. <laughs> if not now, when? So you know what? That's what I'm saying. Got to go for it. Go for it. Yeah. But you know what? I heard that it really hit home when you said if they would have amputated my leg, well, that would have been the easier solution. And I probably would have gone on with my life just the way it was. I probably would have continued training just the way it was. I would have never written a book. I wouldn't be where I am right now. And I think a lot of times when we go through hard times, we don't understand why, but if we get caught up and why me, why is this happening instead of, okay, what's next? What can I do? How it's, the only, it's the only thing you have control over. Mm -hmm. You know, like this is like in 2020, everyone's like super hyped up. This is my year. You know, it's like all of a sudden, well, we didn't predict that the global economy would essentially shut down for, exactly. you know, however, however long. Oh my <laughs> you know, it's gosh. like, okay, cool. So like, I'm in control. I got this, man. And they're like, well, now, you know, a high percentage of businesses inevitably will have to, at least won't be able to pay rent, whatever that looks like. I don't know. You know, and that was just a week before it's like, oh man, we're hyping, man. We got, it's like the only thing you have control over in this lifetime is the glasses that you perceive the world through. And I think it's wise to put, really invest energy into those lenses, you know, because in the end, we're all going to leave this body at some point, you know, and it's like, what was your experience while you passed through? What was the impact that you had on other people while you're here? What was the impact you had on yourself? You know, how much time did you spend imprisoned inside of your thoughts, mm -hmm. you know, and then you get to the point where you are exiting this point of concentration that, you know, you call you or I call me or whatever. You know, and you're like, oh my God, you find the release in that moment. And you're like, oh my God, I've been in prison for the last 50 years. And now I'm having this, this glimmer of letting go. I think this will give people the gift of perception or the gift of perspective. I hope it does. You know, like you'll say, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. We'll see, we'll see. It's an interesting thing. There's another book called Paradise Made in Hell. That's a really helpful book for people to check out right now, actually. You know, and it's all about how different, really seemingly tragic quotation moments in history were for the people involved, moments in their lives that they prize more than anything. 
you know, and they value those moments so much because it was the first time that we let go of, okay, this person has this much money or this person has this much Instagram followers or big a mailing list or big a whatever car, whatever it is. It's like, okay, that matters. We like, we are in this boat together. The town is flooding. We need to get out. You're my brother. You're my sister. Let's work together to make this thing happen. Mm -hmm. And like, that's the time that people really turn on, you know, and like your deeper kind of more, I don't know, animal self, spiritual self, higher self, I think can come online and be like, okay, all this ego structure stuff aside, you're my brother, you're my sister, let's go. The whole pandemic thing is kind of interesting because it has the potential of turning people against each other. Or bringing them closer together. Or bring it closer together. It depends on how it goes. But like when you look at other people, I've had this interesting moment of kind of fascinating moment the other, I don't know, like five days ago or something like that of like looking at people, not as people, but as like carriers, you know? And so you see this John, 36 year old carpenter, you know, wife, Sally, all that. You see John moving around the world. But then beyond that, it's like, well, you could pull different layers back and see John as being this bacterial organism and he has an infection and it's all of a sudden he's a, he's a threat to society. And it's like, oh my God, like there's so many different ways to perceive humans. It's something that I would in my own self and what I'm like harping on in my own podcast and social media and all that stuff is to really see people with great amounts of compassion and see like focus mm-hmm. on the people lens you know like really make sure yeah. you hang on tight to that people lens well, it's, <laughs> and it's, love them more because of a situation like this as opposed to having greater fear I, i've been hiking too and yeah. you see people on the trail sometimes and they all walking far away from you and it's really interesting to see some of the people how they look at you like yeah. some they have fear in their eye some sure. they're looking at me like i have the virus and they're going to catch it from me uh-huh. And so I've just been smiling at everybody and Got saying, you. hi, how you doing? Because I feel like our, just like this virus can spread, what can really spread is our compassion, our kindness, our empathy towards others. And I think that's contagious. And so it's everything so- is contagious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the whole thing is everything is contagious. You are continually attuning. When you walk into a room, not only are you inoculating each other to each other's bacteria and breathing everybody in and from, you know, endorphins and all the chemicals that are coming off of people like that's all going, you like we're becoming each other by being in the room with each other but you're also attuning to each other's facial gestures, just like you're experiencing on the trail. Mm. When you see somebody, you literally, like you are being played by the way that they move and by the way that the mannerisms that they have mm-hmm. and the way that their eyes are and their lips and their, like all of those subtle little jet. There's a guy called Paul Ekman. I've had him on my podcast. He's like the top 10 most cited psychologist specifically around body language and so he studied various different cultures around the world particularly Papua New Guinea was a place that he spent a lot of time and he was studying the facial gestures of those people and his hypothesis was that facial gestures are universal around the world and so like if you're happy or you're scared or any of that he came up with 10,000 distinct facial gestures for every person having a distinct meaning Uh, So he has a whole book. He's got several books, actually. And Charles Darwin, his belief was that facial gestures were not universal. And Ackman's belief was that they were. Other people, you know, it was kind of two worlds with it. And so he went around and studied all this stuff and found there is that universal meaning of the shapes that we make our face. What's not consistent everywhere, the things that you do or learn, which would make much sense, is like gestures, you know, like Mm -hmm. obviously hand signals and whatnot. Like people in Papua New Guinea aren't like, flashing like crip signs or something like that that's not that's not a natural thing Um, yeah but the subtle facial gestures that's a universal communication tool that goes much deeper than any language you've ever heard you know so that's something that is the global human language which is the way that your body moves when you communicate yeah so when you're walking out in the world you can tell somebody this is the last thing i'll say i apologize for being so quotatious no no Um, i love it there's a fellow, Thich Han, who everybody's probably familiar with, and he's got a something I've heard from him is that when there was refugees getting on boats in Vietnam and everyone's stuffed on and they're panicking and freaking out, he said all it takes is one person to remain calm to be able to send that signal of calmness throughout the boat. You know, and so it's like in interesting moments that are challenging, like a car accident or something like that. You know, all it takes is one person to maintain those spectacles of okay, this is what it is. I am calm. You know, I am compassionate. Mm -hmm. 
I see I think opportunities. That's huge right now. And I see it in my youngest daughter because my husband and I have been very calm and playful and we've been enjoying each other's company. And like I said, working out together, eating together more because I'm actually not traveling now. And so my youngest daughter, who's 11, we've been going out for hikes and adventure every day, getting outside. And it wasn't until I was talking to my oldest daughter, who is a last responder and she's in Santa Cruz and she's in like the thick of dealing with people that have died from the virus and stuff like that. And I was on the phone with her and I had her on speaker and she was very panicky sounding and very saying, you have to go out and wear gloves. You have to wear gloves. Like she's scared and she's seeing all this stuff and she's like, stay in, scrub the house down. It wasn't until I had her on speaker and I was talking to her after that, my youngest daughter was like, mama, I'm scared. And so I had to reassure her, baby, we're safe. We're okay. We're being careful about the situation. But it was interesting to see the calm to chaos very quickly started to happen. And it's what I'm seeing everywhere. Our friend just sent us a text message of him standing in line at Costco and the line is down the street, people freaking out over toilet paper. Mm. I and don't I think, heard your I don't podcast, think that's going to make things any better. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, you guys listening, he has a podcast. It's incredible. <laughs> I love it. I was listening to one of your episodes and just the last part, you were giving tips about everything that's going on in the last part about you talking about toilet paper. You're like, I haven't used toilet paper in years. Like, no. yeah, toilet paper is a silly thing. It doesn't make any sense. We can discuss why that is if you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've talked about a whole new lens on toilet paper, like a whole new way I look at yeah, it. Yeah, it's the lenses. Yeah, exactly. In this situation comes opportunities. If you don't have toilet paper, I mean, I don't need to break down. Like, I have a friend called Mimi Agarwal who has a company called Tushy. I just had her on my podcast, actually. But she gets into a lot of the specifics of what happens from or what can happen from using toilet paper. One, I'm not going to, this will be less than 40 seconds. One, the fact that we are chopping trees down and shipping them across the country and then driving them to grocery stores and then you're driving to get the, like all of that energy is like an immense amount of energy that's mm -hmm. going into doing something that really has no logical sense to it, like at all. Like if you were to, the analogy that I, that I use in the podcast, which might be silly, but if you were like rub some poo on your arm, you would never in a million years just take reach paper. out for a piece of paper and like, okay, let, let's get, you just would never ever do that. But because it's behind you, you know, and it's like just culturally accepted, you're like, yep, that's what you do. You just rub that in. You would always 100% of the time you would go to the faucet and you would just do a little rinse and move on with your life. Mm -hmm. So that's, this podcast shouldn't be about why toilet paper is very silly, but the fact that culture is freaking out about that to me just is like, it just adds to kind of the ridiculousness of life in general. <laughs> yes. <say. laughs> yeah. I'm going to read this because there was actually something I read yesterday that says, this is from man talking an interview with God. What surprises you most about humankind? And then God says that they get bored with childhood, they rush to grow up, and then they long to be children again, that they lose their health to make money and lose their money to restore their health. Yeah. That by thinking anxiously about the future, they forget the present such that they live neither in the present nor the future. They live as if they will never die and die though they never had lived. And I'm Damn. like, Where's that from? Because you said that, that's amazing. Is that? It's perfect. It's it, like sums right? up everything. Yeah. It's like, you don't need to buy the align method. Just read that. And, you know, it's essentially, you got it. It's <laughs> that's, unbelievable. That's the, that's, the, that's, the, that's the book. Yeah. Where's that from? I found it. Somebody had written it on Instagram. Drew Cannoli. Oh, Drew Cannoli. He's my buddy. He was in San Diego. Yeah, we're gonna find Oh, yeah. I just shout found out, him. Shout out, shout, out, shout, out, shout out to Drew. Yeah. I don't think he wrote that. Did he write that? I don't know if he insightful. wrote it. It was on He's his Instagram. But I don't know about yeah. that. I don't know that site. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's not I like my cartoon. I found him on Instagram. I love how sometimes people that live in the same kind of lifestyle you live just somehow kind of come into your life. I think it was my friend Erica Lippi who told me about you. Do you okay. know Erica? I've done her podcast. I don't know her like super well, but. Oh, okay. um, 
yeah, I mean, I definitely appreciate her in the world. I think she's super sweet. Yeah, she is a sweetheart. She is a total sweetheart. And I wanted to ask you more about your Align Method so people can mm. figure, well, I think they might have just buy your book or you have a program. They pair together. So yeah, I appreciate you bringing it up. They, so this, the Align Method book, that's like absolutely hands down the proudest thing that I've ever been associated with birthing into the world. I mean, it was me and like a whole team of people that I wouldn't be able to take credit, plus all of the researchers and all like the books and the internet. Like there's so much that goes into creating stuff like that. We did fast. We did it in less than a year. So like the writing of the book. And then I had a co-writer help as well called Phil White. And he is amazing. He's worked with like Laird Hamilton, XPT guys. He's worked with Pavel Satsulin, who people might not know who that is. Kelly Starr, all sorts of people that are like, they're pioneers in all of this stuff. And he's been doing it for 20 years. So it was amazing to get to team up and have someone that we could really have accountability for each other. And really Mm -hmm. like just having that, it just comes back again to how powerful community is. Mm -hmm. And in the process of creating something meaningful in the world, like a book, it was a fascinating experiment to just see how important a community really is in that situation. I think if you're doing anything of really great value in the world, for the most part, it's going to be a community effort. And mm-hmm. so the sooner that you can get on that community train and support each other and you know, really show so up and true. say, like, what can I do for you right now? I think the sooner that we can really be in a good place. And so that the book was just a testament to how important that community is. I guess I could describe kind of sort of what the book is. Essentially what the book teaches people is how to make it so that your whole entire day, no matter where you are, whether you're in your office, car, travel, just with yourself in a blank room, becomes this whole potential of opportunities for how to make your body move better, for how to make yourself feel better. And that's what it's about, is taking the principles that we've learned from like being in a gym or being a breathwork class or a yoga class or any of those places. How do we make that be who we are as opposed to a thing that we do? Mm-hmm. And then the online program just goes deeper into that from like a video perspective. So they really just pair together. Yeah. And you guys, I'm telling you, if you go to his Instagram, I love watching all your moves. Like you do some <laughs> crazy stuff, whether you're doing it with a tire or you're doing like handstands into some fancy moves, lifting weights, throwing kettlebells around. I'm like, I want to do that. I want to go play. Yeah, that's it. That's I wanted to, to see you today is because I was like, I want to go like throwing a tire around or swing well, a kettlebell. Well, just be creative. I mean, that's what I care deepest about is inspiring people to start thinking more creatively with the way that you live, the way that you breathe, the way that you use your eyes, the way that you work out in quotations. All of those are opportunities for you to explore yourself explore your community explore this human experience mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be just some dogmatic locked into my do my sets my reps that's great i think that's fantastic and that's an approach that's really valuable depending upon where you want to end up but i would challenge people to really look at your right now this moment as you're listening to this what's the state of your body how can you treat this moment as a physical mental emotional opportunity you know, and so one of the ways that you could do that would be adjusting your breath. Maybe right now you could take a long exhalation. It could even be an audible exhalation. You can breathe in. As you're doing that exhalation, it literally starts to downregulate and calm your autonomic nervous system, puts you into more of a, sends a signal to your body like, oh, it's time to heal. Okay, great, cool. We're going to heal now. You know, as opposed to putting yourself into a place of maybe breathing up into your shoulders and your neck and maybe mm-hmm. mouth breathing or maybe focusing your vision up close onto a screen or some walls up close into your house, that vision, when that closes up and becomes more myopic, it focuses your nervous system and says, okay, we need to get stuff done. You know, you need to go to like executive function, you know, make this thing happen, boost the cortisol, like let's go. When you use your eyes to relax and look out and take in the panoramic view for a moment, that sends a signal to the rest of your nervous system. I love that you're doing it now. That, okay, it's time to calm down. And that's the magic of all this stuff. Like humans are freaking brilliant. Humans are so beautiful and so amazing for many reasons. And one of those reasons is all we need to do is like, what do I do to make a difference? It's like, have the conversation, you know, and be the thing, you know, like literally you doing what you just did and having that moment of, oh, just I'm going to relax my eyes for a second. I'm going to look out. Maybe there's a window behind you that I can't see. No, but I'm going to look out the window for a moment. All of a sudden, that sends a reminder to me to do the same. And then we're a bunch of dominoes. You know, like we are one, we see it now more than ever. Like we are truly one hive. So the same way that a virus, in quotations, can get spread across the globe, that shit can happen with a smile. 
and it does happen. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I mean, the analogy is unbelievable that you get to see how fast take that virus and literally make that be like a compassionate moment or, you know, helping somebody out in need or just gesturing in a loving way to somebody else. And then seeing how fast that can ripple around the globe. That is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what I'm saying exactly right now, other than I just think that people are great. Oh, well, no, I think that's it. And you know what? Look, it is so true that all of that positive vibes are contagious. And in fact, you know, I was a little bit nervous before we started the podcast and like you come on the screen and you're like smiling and you're like, oh yeah, by the way, yeah, I'm sunbathing, but let me go get a glass of water. I'm like, Oh, I love this guy. He's so cool. Oh, I'm like, oh, I can relax. This is fun, you know? But had you got on and be like, yes, I'm ready. You know, it would have yeah, been like, oh. Absolutely. God, this- I mean, that's a powerful thing to realize for conversations in general. You know, like with the podcast, I'm still learning how to record a conversation, but I've done close to 300 now on mine over the last five years. And that's the thing that I've really taken away from it is the sooner that you can be comfortable with somebody, the sooner you can start to have actually a meaningful connected conversation. A real conversation. So if I come into the room and I have all these fronts that I'm putting up and then that forces you, unless you're bigger and smarter and more comfortable and more wise than I, and then you disassemble my fronts for me. And I, you know, that's the way it goes, you know, but then if not, if we're kind of in a similar pool, then your fronts will go up and then we match each other's fronts. And then we do this, like how many relationships are that? You know, that's like we're in this great relationship for a month or whatever. Then the front starts to drop. It's like, why don't we just drop it sooner, you Uh know, and not waste our time with this rote, nonsensical words and actually get something that's heart-centered. so true, isn't it, though? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I remember like years ago before, and this is getting off of the subject, but years ago, I went out with this guy and he was all about the front and the money and flashing it and fancy cars. And every day he would like come over in a fancy car and I was so not impressed. And one day he came over and he was like, you don't really care about my cars, do you? And I said, no, I really like trucks. (laughs) So the next day he came over into a truck with a truck, but it was like, he was trying to like flash all these things. And I'm like, stop with all the fronts. Like, that's not what I care about. Like, that's not what's so meaningful to me, you know? But it's funny if we can just drop all the fronts and just connect human to human. That's where the magic is. Yeah. So that's a nice challenge for people in a way like everyone has the option to be somewhat of it's kind of cheesy language, but like a revolutionary, you like start a revolution of any sort. And that can be by you just showing up in that way in line while you're getting coffee you know, or in the grocery store line in this case, or walking down the street or showing up in a relationship in any form you will send that signal throughout the rest of culture and really have the possibility to create change. I think people, when they feel powerless, that's a very interesting kind of like apathetic place to be at. But truly everyone does have power just by you being a global citizen, by you like walking out of your house, Mm -hmm. you are impacting the whole thing, Mm -hmm. you know? And so taking some responsibility for, you know, if you're going out in the world and you just got your resting bitch face on and you're just like, I'm just going to keep to myself (laughs) and, you know, this is not about you. It's like, I get it. It's not about you but you literally are exuding emotional pollution, you know? And so it's like, I would say, go back into your house, sort out your emotional hygiene, you know, and don't pollute when you go outside, please and thank Mm -hmm. you. (laughs) Yes, I agree. I back that. I agree. But I think now more than ever, people are going to have to really be aware of that because are you in Santa Monica? Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, in Woodland Hills and the streets are empty. And so Mm -hmm. when you do go out and you see somebody to me, I'm like, oh, hi, even if it's across the street. it's Oh, yeah, I'm waving at everybody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I feel like I'm running for mayor right now. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. (laughs) Just not kissing babies. I think you should be running for mayor, by the way. Running for mayor. I think you should. I don't think that'll ever happen, but I appreciate that. Well, something else that helps me a lot, and I see that you do this too, is a morning routine and a nightly routine. What is in your morning routine? 
Well, I mean, so I have, yeah, I've got a whole chapter in the book that I get into like what the ideal like one would be. The main thing to take away would be just get sun exposure as soon as you can. So when you get out of bed, if you wake up before the sun comes out, that's cool. Probably be a great time to like meditate and journal and things of that nature. I typically wake up around when the like light starts happening. So the first thing that I'll do is go out and take my shirt off and, you know, wear usually like a pair of shorts or whatever take sunglasses off and expose as much of my skin as I can to the sun. And then from there, drink some spring water. The reason that I'm doing the sun stuff is it's a helpful way. One, it literally like the way that we're tuning each other's nervous systems, that sun tunes your nervous system as well, uh, mm -hmm. tunes your neurochemistry, starts to allow your body to start to release the hormones that it needs to wake up, but also the hormones that it needs and the neurotransmitters that it means to feel good. You know, so that process of that sun passing through your eyes sends this whole cascade of chemical events that heals your body at a cellular level, changes the shape of your eyes, changes the release of these, like I mentioned, like kind of feel good in quotation neurotransmitters. So it's a great way to start the day. And then water and movement, you know, music, or sometimes I'll listen to some Alan Watts or Ram Dust or something like that, that I, you know, I'm excited to kind of like philosophy type stuff i'm pretty enamored by dead philosophers i like a lot rest in peace ram das um <laughs> you know so that and just take a walk the big thing is you want sun exposure you want movement and quality water and you can throw some salt in the water as well to help with actually being able to assimilate that water if you're drinking just like some distilled fluid don't even call it water you know it's all of the minerals that would actually help with the assimilation at a cellular level have been stripped out of it just because you're putting fluid into your face all fluid is not created equal Mm -hmm. you know, so you could throw like a pinch of sea salt in there or just get yourself some spring water from some place. And oh, then, you know, there's, so there's other stuff, but those are basics. It's so interesting that I just was reading that quote earlier that was from Drew. I found it through Drew and mm -hmm. he talks about the same thing. Hmm. I literally just heard him talking about how he gets at least 15 minutes of sun in the morning oh. and the water he drinks. And I'm like, okay. I'm not making sure my water is good quality water. So that's what I'm really hearing. And I need to get in the sun more because Got to. now- Sun's a big one. I mean, they're both yeah. big ones. It's the fundamental stuff that's the big stuff. You don't need to worry about the perfect exercise contraption or the perfect dietary macro, micro, interval, whatever. Like the fundamentals that are consistent with everybody. If you get that foundation sorted out, from there, we can build and shift and change. And But if the fundamentals, like you're not getting sun, you're drinking water that's filled up with a bunch of chemicals that you don't mm -hmm. need in your body in the first place. A simple thing like your sleep is off, which all that feeds back to itself. Sun mm -hmm. will help with your sleep as will water and everything else. You know, those are like the root foundations. And if those are off, everything else becomes much more challenging. But in the end, everything's inextricably tied. You know, so I think that you are, the way that you eat in large part has a lot to do with your own level of self-worth, your belief system of who you are. Mm -hmm. You know, so if you're a person that believes that you're worth it, you know, and you're like, I need to show up and be the best version of myself, you'll probably buy the best version of food that you can afford. You know, if you're a person that's like, I'm more of like a dollar menu kind of guy, you know, I'm just like, that's just who I am. Mm -hmm. You're like, perfect. Well, you will continue to be a dollar menu consumer, you know, and then from there, that will affect you at a cellular level, it'll affect you at a cognitive level. And that makes you know, it's all inextricably tied. sense to me. And I never thought of it that way because hmm. when I was young, I was married before and it was a horrible, abusive relationship. I got out of that relationship. And when I started eventually dating again, when I would go out, if he were paying or if I were paying, I would not order anything more than soup. Like mm. I was not that person that would be like, oh, I'm going to have the filet or I'm going to uh, have right. the sea base. I'd be like, no, I'll just have a cup of soup. And then gradually, as I started to get more self-worth and be more confident with who I am and learn who I really was, I'm like, no, I'm going to feed what is good for my body. I deserve more than the cup of soup, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so true. It's so yep. true. Yeah. And then both angles are, I think, valuable. You know, like there's, how's that Bible verse go? If you humble, something along the lines, I have it written in the book, humble yourself when you go into somebody's home and you'll be exalted, exalt yourself and you'll be humbled. You know, so I think there is value in both ends and kind of leading from a very kind of humble place and mm -hmm. allowing, right. mm -hmm. allowing the room to raise you up. You know, so it's, I think with everything, I essentially am just very contradictory in almost everything that is said. I'm like, hmm, well, there's probably, I think with anything, there's different angles to perceive and different, it depends on the situation, depends on the moment. You could say, everybody needs this much sun, but it's like, well, that's not true. It depends on what's your ethnicity, what's the time of year, what's your location on the globe, 
Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of different variables at play. So I think with most rules in general, it's like, okay, well, what are the variables here? You know, because most things I think it's kind of like, it depends. Yes, I love talking to you because I <laughs> swear I would love to just run something by you and your brain. You just know and I could see how you could look at all different ways that it could be or how it could oh, play out. I, I love appreciate. that. I'm glad, yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad it doesn't sound antagonistic and annoying. <laughs> Not at all, because I love thinking out of the box, too. Uh, yeah, and I love getting different perspectives on things. So, yeah, I'm going to be calling you anytime I have a question. Yeah, have, what do you think about this? Or, have, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I also want to meet you on the beach to do some fun Yeah, we do some tricks. accurate things. We can do some accurate things I'm a big sure. girl, though. Oh, that's fine. What is your weight? I know you're never supposed to ask that. Do you, no, do you no, tell people I'm, that? I'm 131. Oh, you're a little tiny person. It's fine. I'm like 5'11". Deal. I shrunk. I don't know if after my motorcycle accident, if I shrunk an inch or I'm just getting older and shrinking. But I'm I'm five ten, a hundred and thirty. Do your do your damnedest to grow inside of your body as you're communicating, as you're walking around, as you're breathing. Think of your body as like this is some new age meta out there stuff. So I apologize in advance if this group makes people kind of turn off now. But an analogy I heard in rolfing school like ten years ago from a teacher that I thought this would sound like some wacky shit, but now I'm like, oh, I actually really like this analogy. Is thinking of your body as like a five pointed star. And you're growing out through each of those points. So your head is a point and your arms are are two points and then your feet are two points. Mm -hmm. So in any situation, this is a really nice kind of rule that you can live by. you see me just stand up straighter when you stand (laughs) up? Yeah, exactly. Right. So this is an interesting kind of rule that you can live by when you are doing any kind of dance or fitness or conversation is Mm -hmm. how do I get longer through the five points of my star? How does my head reach up, my arms Mm -hmm. reach out, my legs reach down to the ground? If you do that, you apply that to most situations, it will end up keeping you on a path of growth, I would say, from a physical slash mental emotional level because they're all tied up. Well, you've inspired me to also get a desk that I can have one to sit if I need it because it's hard to stand on my leg for long periods of time. But you've inspired me. I don't remember if it was on your Instagram or whatever. You had a desk that was upright so you could stand and I'm going to do that. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I recommend being on the floor more than anything. And then standing is fine too, but standing, you're still pulling a lot of blood up in your legs, you know, especially if you have like some type of issue, you know, scarring or any kind of like twists and torsions and things of that that may Well, I've got a place I can lay like you. I'm going to start doing that and maybe foam rolling while I'm recording podcasts. Yeah, that's (laughs) great. And then I'm going to do, I see the space where I'm going to build to do like a stand up one. So I'm going to, you inspired me yeah it's having variations so you want a stand-up desk you also want to have a floor desk i mean i would let go honestly of the sitting on the chair desk just because you have so much of that in your life in general Mm -hmm. so it's not sitting in a chair there's nothing wrong with it it's a perfectly fine position it can be helpful in lots of ways as well depending upon how you use it it's just that we're so deeply saturated in that as a people that's when it becomes problematic and so because your whole life outside of the places you have control of kind of be in that mold of chair sitting, I would recommend in the places that you do have control of to balance that out with getting on the floor. Mm-hmm. You know, standing's fine, but it's really not it. Standing, you're still pulling up fluids in your lower body. And, you know, if you are standing on one leg, get like a rock or a stool or something like that that you can kind of be pressing up into, raising one leg to take your lower back out of extension. The name of the game is circulation. So if you're in positions that are circulating your human aquatic pond structure that you are, then you will have a healthy aquatic pond human mm-hmm. organism. But if you are pulling up fluids, that. like, so that's the thing. It's like, you just need to turn the pumps on. Yes. So sitting on the floor is helpful because it brings your legs closer to your heart and your vital organs. So mm-hmm. now it's not so hard for you to be able to pump and circulate that blood. When you are standing, your legs are still, standing is a strange position. If you think like hunter, gatherer, ancestral whatever mm-hmm. there's not a lot of reasons to go out into the woods and stand in place and just like look at a tree like you're not going to do that very often what you would do is go out in the woods and sit on the ground though like you'll do that a lot you know and so that's what you see in cultures like what's the culture the Hatsa people and i mean really just anybody there's just been research with the Hatsa people they research them for a lot of things gut biome and whatnot but I don't remember the name of the researcher that did this, but you can look it up. They went out, spent like a season with the Hatsa people and found that their movement, they move more than Western culture, but it's not so much that they're just generally up, like ambulating, walking, moving around more. Their rest practice is much more active. 
the rest practice is exactly what I recommend in the Align Method book slash Align Method Everything is you need your rest practice to be an opportunity as well. So when you're doing this, like this literally this whole entire time that we've been talking, one, I'm like naked tanning my ass as we're doing this. You can't see that for oh, all you know. I was to say, this is going to be on YouTube, everyone. That's, so that's if you right. want to, I'm kidding. That's right. Well, it's fine. It doesn't matter. But for all you know, I'm wearing like corduroy, what, like, does it matter? You know, so I'm like, oh, I'm going to take my pants off and actually get like full sun, you know, but I'm also, my knees are up on a foam roller. So I've been kind of rolling out my shins and patellar tendons and I've gone in and out of these positions. So I intentionally stacked a bunch of variables into this little mm. hour block so that when we get done with this, it's like, what did I do? Oh, well, I got sun and I did kind of like almost like a little like yoga class and I did like a self-care myofascial release thing. And oh yeah, right. I did that conversation yeah. as well. So I kind of yeah. like was at work while I did yeah. that. And I said that until a person's life or a person's approach to life is kind of thinking in that way, I think we're just going to be missing a lot of money on the table that gets left behind. As like, if we start to think of be a little bit more scrutinizing of like, how can I make this situation better right now? You know, it's like, well, you know, I've got about a thousand opportunities that you could be taking advantage of right now for the most part that we're not. That was kind of the whole intention of making the book. Yeah. Well, you have really impacted my life in just the way that I do things in the morning. Like you've changed the way I think about even sitting at my desk. Yeah, you really have. You've inspired me to try different things and working out. And I mean, I love your book. So you guys, I'll have all the information for his book in the show notes. Tell us the best way to reach you. Mm. Well, everything is Align Podcast. So if you can remember A-L-I-G-N, like Align Your Tires and podcast, that's like Instagram and website and all that mm-hmm. stuff. You know, so if people do want to go deeper into this, I would highly recommend checking out the online program mainly because the first week is free. So you can get a lot of value out of just starting that and then you know do with it what you wish after that. But the first week's entirely free. And on there, we get into specifically morning routines, get into like some fundamental self-care stuff. There's a lot of really good stuff packed into that first week. So I recommend just grabbing that guy. And so that's at alignpodcast.com slash align method. But you'll find it on my Instagram and website and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, but then the second you know, week, you give them the band. You have the second week, Yes, the second week, if you do continue with the program, which is pretty dang affordable, if I do so myself. It you is. Also get, you also get I was blown the, away. Oh, good. I appreciate that. So you also get the Align Band, which is heavy-duty resistance band and a door anchor, and it comes with its own video guide and traveling mm-hmm. case and the whole thing. So it's really just teaching people how they can make it so that their home environment slash office slash travel and all of that become opportunities and that we really perceive it that way. And so that's what I broke down in the program. And that's the the, kind of the point of having the Align Band as well. Not only is it a a, a rad tool that's light and flexible and you can take it anywhere, but it's also just a beautiful reminder because you can hang it from your closet door, you know, and decompress your wrist or your shoulder or whatever while you're working. So that's kind of what we were thinking with it. Yeah. Oh, well, it's awesome. And thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. And I just appreciate you. And as soon as we can get together, I want to go do some tricks. Yeah, come out to the beach. Santa Monica Muscle Beach. I'm there almost every sunset. So okay. Oh my God. I'm so going to do that. I really look forward to it. But one more question and I promise. (laughs) What is your definition of resilience? Oh, resilience. Interesting. I don't think I've ever defined this word. I feel, I think this whole conversation has been about resilience. I think resilience is just acknowledging that you are a blip on the map. You're not as important as you think you are and you absolutely are at the same time. And taking this life to be a celebration and taking this life to be an opportunity and taking this life to be a gift and mm-hmm. approaching every situation with that practice, because at some point it, it will be a, absolutely a, a challenging practice. I think that would be my definition of resilience. That's beautiful. Mm. I love that. Well, thank you so much. Of course. You are yeah. amazing. Oh, good. <laughs> You're great too. <laughs> oh, thank you. And again, I'm loving the book. I appreciate loving that. Loving the book. I really appreciate that. And I hope to see you soon. Yeah, absolutely. Come out. Sunset, Muscle Beach. Okay, thanks. See ya. Thanks so much. 
Thank you so much for joining us this week on the True Grit and Grace podcast. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. And it would be so awesome if you rated and maybe left a review. That would help too. And also, I have some exciting news for you. If you are ready to learn a mindset that will get you through any challenge, ready to really transform any limiting beliefs, and finally find the wellness routines that work with your lifestyle and keep your body healthy and thriving, you're in the right place. You're hearing this for all the right reasons because it's your chance, your chance to join right now. It's a 12 week course. It's so much fun because we're going to go live in a webinar with plenty of time for Q and a it's called your unstoppable life mastermind. And there's going to be a daily mantra and a like-minded community to support you along your way to reach all those goals. So head over to amberlylago.com forward slash mastermind and sign up now. Okay, have a great week and I hope to see you in the mastermind.